Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Fool. I'm your host, Chris Amador. This podcast is a tribute to the people I've met along my journey and to their stories. I've learned a lot from all of them, and I'm really grateful. This conversation is with one of my dearest friends, Borzu. Borzu is an incredibly creative soul who uses his gifts in many ways, from graphic design to building model kits to his own dental practice. He's an incredibly skilled dentist, and his bedside manner makes someone like me, who is terrified of dentists, feel completely at ease. Borzu is a wonderful father to my precious twin nieces, Camilla and Persephone, and a loving husband to my brilliantly creative friend, Samantha. He is also a dedicated fan to the best football club in the world, Barcelona. His quick wit and intelligence make him a joy to be around. I hope you'll enjoy this first introduction to a truly great guy. And so it begins. All right, let's do this. Hold on, hold on. Give me a second. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Screw it. All right. Hey, my man. How are you doing? Good to see you. I'm very, Good very. To see you too. It's it's, it's been uh, well. October is the last time I saw you of last year, so been a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow. That was that was a while ago. That was New York Comic Con. No, the previous year was the New York Comic Con. Oh. Okay. Okay. Right on. Yeah. But yeah, it's like once every October I get a chance <laughs> to see you. But for sure. But, um, how were things? How's what's happened since the you know during COVID? How's your business been? As a dentist, it's it's been busier. We were forced to shut down for two months, and in that in that time, we only saw emergencies, turned away anyone who wasn't like dying of anything, mm-hmm. and then um, let's see, two months, and then after that, we opened up. We actually took a week longer to open and just to get the infection control stuff out of the way. And then we open and we've been busier than we ever have been just because of the massive backlog we've been dealing with. So, mm. yeah. Who, who made that decision to um, say emergency only? Was that you? Was that part of the board? Was that? That was the, um, that was the governor. The governor of Colorado uh, said um, non-emergency uh, services, um, you know, elective surgeries, stuff like that should be postponed. And they ch- kept on pushing it back, pushing it back, um, which was kind of inconvenient for us because we, we pushed back once, then we have to reschedule everyone again. Everyone was mad at us, not understanding that this is out of our control. We're not uh, trying to annoy them or frustrate them. And yeah. we didn't we didn't reschedule again. So after the second wave of cancellations, we didn't reschedule until we 100 percent knew we were opening. Mm. And at that li- that point, we had like a 10 page list of patients that we would say we'd call. Um, mm. And then we finally opened. It's been busy, like I said, backlog. We've been so booked. Usually, we get a new patient in or a patient. Your patient, you want to come in? We can get you in that day or the next day. Now it's like we can't for two reasons. One. Um, we're really busy, but second, um, the restrictions they have for infection control, uh, we can't have too many people in the office at once. We can't have too many people. So we really, really, really are really strict on infection control. Um, not saying other offices aren't, but we are even more so. So, uh, that with combination of, you know, having that backlog, it's been busy. Now, on the other hand too, we've the rudeness and the impatience 
has gone up too. Like we, we experience mm. a higher volume of root calls as well. When we tell a patient, Hey, we possibly might not be able to get you in for two weeks or three weeks. And like, what? It's like, it's not us. <laughs> yeah. Because you're right. I mean, where I work, it, there's only, there's only so many people allowed in, in a space. And if we exceed that, we're not in compliance and we can get shut down. So. We, oh, for sure. Yeah. And there's a restaurant in Indiana um, of sorts that got shut down because they didn't believe in uh, shutting down for COVID. They or no, it was not that they were shutting, not shutting down. Sorry, it was a mask. It was a mask issue. They didn't want to enforce the mask issue, so they uh, they got shut down. Hmm. But speaking of Indiana, that's where you grew up, right? Yep. I uh, grew up in Indiana um, for the most part. Um, and, yeah, that's most of my formative experience. Well, well, oh, Indiana? Uh, Southern Indiana. Uh so it was interesting. Uh, my parents would just keep going back to rural areas. I, I don't know what the appeal is. Um, I guess it's the scarcity of doctors. No one wants to uh, practice there. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so your parents, they, your dad's, a, he was a doctor? Mm-hmm. So he was a physician. Oh. Yeah, he still is. Um, works at the VA now. Uh, my mom was his office manager. Mm-hmm. And we would occasionally work there, I don't know, to put charts up and do some clerical stuff. I would I would actually, because of my language skills, you know, my parents' English is a very much a second language. I would do a lot of their forms. I would do a lot of proofreading, editing, a lot of the stuff they needed mm-hmm. on forms. I would make it for them. So chances are, if you went to my parents' office, that form was typed up by a, by a high school with uh, word processing skills. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's funny. But I mean, I, I look, dude. I since I've known you for, God, what five years? Five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're a smart, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm resourceful. Uh, I've always, it's all. You're very smart. It's always been expected of me to know how to get from point A to point B on my own. Like, mm. and if I don't know how to do that, it's too bad. Uh, learn it. That's that's always been the environment I've been surrounded in. Um, how do I do this? I get. I either get a poor explanation. Or I get, um, or uh, I have to do it myself. So, yeah. you know, I, I um, that's why a lot of, uh, I'm into building things. You probably know that. I, I mm-hmm. do nerdy things. I'm either building a model kit or I'm building a replica of some movie property. So, um, yeah, I just try to stay busy. Well, I mean, you have to because you're, you know, the other, even though you're a dentist, you're also a very creative person and, you make my teeth look good, so. You know, <laughs> well, like... there, there is some creativity in dentistry. You know, that's why they yeah. call it the art of dentistry. But uh, no, um, and, and in a lot of ways, this, again, having to be resourceful. So mm-hmm. I want a model kit built or I want this action figure plane. But I, that's why I like model kits. It's, it's that philosophy of here's something cool, but you have to do it yourself. Yeah. Um, and all this hand skills translate into dentistry. And it makes sense. I, I tell people a lot of times, I'm, it's like doing model kits in people's mouth, you know, yeah. after re- replicate a tooth or uh, patch up a cavity. Same concept. I never would have thought that way, but my God, that's, that's really cool. And, and, the, and the truth is, dude, like I am terrified of dentists. Terrified. I had uh, Dr. Renka 
uh, as a kid growing up. And man, that guy just like butchered not just my teeth, but the, most of my family's teeth. And I, he was pulling my teeth when I was nine years old, and I didn't I didn't need my one of my teeth being pulled. I didn't. Right. And it, it's just like it was a nightmare. And even when you were working on my teeth, it, it, it you saw how scared it was. Brought because, back memories. Yeah, <laughs> big time. And you have to fight that. Uh, I mean, not just someone like me. It's like, calm down, calm down. You have to really get someone's trust. Do you find that this happens on a frequent basis for people having bad dentistry? Um, and then you have to deal with that? Yeah. Uh, we get a lot of people who have um, childhood trauma. Um, and this influences how they perceive future down pra uh, practices and visits and all that stuff. And so um, they come in thinking, I'm going to do the same thing. You know, I'm not going to know. That's what they did. Again, I'm talking about 50s and 60s, 70s, and I mean, 50s to 80s, uh, where the doctor would tell the patient to shut up if it hurt and uh, if it's not numb, too bad, and all this stuff. You try, you try practicing like that for a week, you lose your license. Like, you're going to get called on. Um, back in the day, I guess it was acceptable. And as a result, a lot of people are scared to death of the dentist uh, because they think it's going to be the same thing. But I like to think I'm not the only one who does something like this, but when you give them a pleasant visit, mm -hmm. then they're like, oh, wow, dentistry is not the same. Uh, and hopefully, we, you know, we can see one day that we're seen as healers and not the givers of pain that the media likes to tries, uh, tries to portray us. Because well, how, how does media, media do that to you guys? Yeah, well, I mean, you have to think about, like, dentistry and um, – how it's portrayed. You never have the dentist as a good guy, you know, mm -hmm. you never, uh, never have a mem memorable dentist. You're like, Oh, Hey, that guy was a dentist. He's a cool character. No, you know, uh, what's that marathon man with, uh, Roy Schneider, um, Dustin Hoffman and Olivier, yeah. Lauren, uh, um, Lawrence Olivier. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank Lawrence you Olivier. <laughs> no, no. Lawrence Olivier and yeah. these, these fine actors. And he's the dentist torturing people. He uses dentistry to torture people. Or Steve Martin and uh, Rick Moranis was in um, Little Shop of Horrors. Mm -hmm. And the guy is a dentist, and he, he's like, I became a dentist to give people pain. That's the only reason. I love, I'm a horrible person. I like causing people uh, harm, and that's why I became a dentist. And it, it, you know, when I went to dental school, that, that's what they portrayed. Like, these videos, like, hey – you know, look, is that, is that going to be you? That's, that's what we think of Dennis. Um, I mean, think of, think of another portrayal, but there's never been one where someone goes in and goes to a dentist that has a positive experience and talks about, mm -hmm. it. no, it's, they go in and the, the torture chamber knows the dentist's office and the dentist beats up on them. You know, I've had a patient come in, all, patients who've never had dental work come in and say, oh, root canals are supposed to be painful. And I'm like, no, 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 they're not. Uh, if you get numbed, it's not any more painful or uncomfortable than a filling. Yeah. So if if you don't, if you're comfortable with the filling, you're going to be comfortable with a uh, with the root canal. It's it's those people who wait and wait and wait and get infected and swollen, and then that, that yeah, then then it might be a little ouch, but yeah, you know. Well, I mean, I've, I've got a couple of years on you and the healthcare that I grew up with was not great. In fact, if you, the target job to get growing up for me, you know, I was a child of the, of, of the um, late seventies, of the early seventies, I mean, and to get a state job, 
to get a job that had benefits was a gold mine. And that meant that you can get good dentistry. The most jobs that were out there, you couldn't qualify for healthcare. And so you had to pay out of pocket. And so you had all these like Dr. Ranka dentists that were, were offering like horrible healthcare um, for, for your teeth. So like, yeah, I'm part of that generation that just like, even my mother, she said she had several teeth pulled out and she kept telling the guy, I'm, I'm in pain. He's like, no, you're not. And he denied, he denied, <coughs> yeah, he denied her, um, um, you know, uh, painkillers. So it's, you're right. It's like, a, there's an evolution. Um, yeah. How many visits does it usually take for somebody to trust? It can be as early as one, uh, sometimes two, you know, I mean, Honestly, though, truthfully, it's, it has to be that first appointment. Because mm-hmm. if they don't trust you at that first appointment, that's the first impression. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything you do is going to make an impact on what they think of you. So you have to hit the hammer on that nail that first time, you know. Uh, and a few things I like to do is not push them. You know, mm-hmm. tell them what's going on. Mm-hmm. Give them options and tell them to choose. Be like, listen. And this is what I tell them. And, and I'm being honest about this when I say it. It's not a sales pitch. I say, here's what's going on. You tell me where to start and you tell me how much you want, how much of it you want to do. And I'll do that. You know? Yeah. And usually that gets a positive response because they, they know I'm not pushy. I'm not trying to push uh, dentistry that you, even if they need, I'm not pushing it. I'm giving them their choice. Maybe they don't have the money right now. Uh, they feel uncomfortable about a guy who's pressuring them. Uh, maybe they get paid Friday and they'll make an appointment two weeks after they're collect their paycheck and come see me. You know, it could be anything. Um, I feel like that's how a lot of people lose their patients in this modern time. Uh, they're too pushy. You know, one of the things I, I, I've always deeply admired about you was the fact that how honorable you are. And people come <laughs> in and they don't have much money and you work with them and you, give them, you still give them, give them dental care. Yeah, um, you you help out vets. You help out vets, and when when they need it, when they nobody else can offer, when, even when the VA can't offer them dental care, you because you're veterans, you help them out. And where did that generosity come from? Where where did you learn it? Um, honestly, uh, kids shows, cartoons, Mister Rogers, <laughs> Sesame Street, comic books. Really? You know, yeah. I mean, you look at it. You look at like they they try to portray Superman. Uh, and, and the Superman we remember, not this modern Henry Cavill destroying half of New York and not feeling guilty about it. I, I'm I, talking, don't, I, I don't get it, dude. I don't get it. it just I, I'm, talking about the, I'm talking about the Christopher Reeve uh, old school, you know, the original Superman who had this strong sense of morality. And, and, and you know that Superman, they're pouring all these good feelings and, and positive um, morality into this guy. So you know that this guy's a role model, okay? Maybe not Punisher. You know, people like Punisher, their morals, you, they're questionable. They're, they're complex. Um, maybe Spider-Man, complex. But, but Superman or even the, this modern Captain America that we have. Um, like uh, Chris Evans did a really good job portraying this uh, Captain America in this such way. He's absolute good. All the, the good like on a scale of bad to good, this guy is on the good scale next to Mr. Rogers. And um, I can't, uh, who's the painter, Bob Ross. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 
Bye like, bye. good. Like, we're talking about good. These are good. good. Um, and you're like, okay, so these people I know, uh, whatever they're doing, that's what I should follow. So, yeah. what, you know, in the Superman movies, uh, he says, I don't lie. You know, he, he always mm-hmm. tries to do good. Um, and you're like, wow, okay, man, Superman, he's such a good person. He never lies and deceives people. So I need to be like that because, you know, Superman would be disappointed in me if I lied. I know that's dumb, but you, you learn that as a kid and it sticks with you, right? And so, you know, sometimes I know it sounds silly. There's, a, there's actually a meme of it on the internet. Um, act as if Mr. Rogers and Captain Rogers are judging you on your decision. <laughs> Mr. Rogers being uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and Captain Rogers being Captain America, but yeah. Well, it's funny how you, you take a, a uh, fictional character and you use some, somebody that was uh, obviously human. You blend them together. It sounds like somebody of, um, who, who has a lot of knowledge of the, um, the Greek and, and the you know, god and goddess world. Um, were you fascinated by that world when you were a kid? I, it was interesting that these gods and goddesses, unlike the, you know, the Muslim and the big three, I like to call them Muslim, Jewish, and Christian. These, uh, these gods are absolute good. They do no wrong. And if you do something wrong, you're going to go to hell because he loves you. Um, but these Greek gods, these Greek gods were so flawed, you know, like Zeus, constantly sleeping uh, around behind Hera's back. Um, I mean, there's kidnapping, there's drama, there's uh, theft, murder, and all this stuff. And it's like, whoa, these gods are just like us. Mm-hmm. I can relate to this. Okay. You know, maybe uh, I'm with, uh, I'm trying to think of a god. I'm, I'm with Apollo because he... He has fancy shoes. I don't know. I I, I, I forget this what's special about them anymore. Mm-hmm. Hermes is a messenger. Paul, Paul, what was he? Was he knowledge? Uh, God, my brain. I used to love mythology myself. Yeah. Um, I think Apollo was the... God, I... I'm, I don't know. I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah. no. It, yeah. It's... It's... it's Trivia is useless knowledge. You don't if you, if you don't use it, you lose it. You know how many yeah. times does uh, Greek mythology casually come up? You know, right? Uh, what do you What do you think about the gods versus titans fight? Huh? Like, what the? Is that NFL? <laughs> it sounds like it. Mm. But the um, you you had mentioned earlier about language. Um, so, what languages do you speak? I speak. Primarily English. I used to speak Farsi a lot. I still speak Farsi, but I don't use it as much because, mm. and that's, we won't get into that. Um, and then at some point I spoke better Spanish than I speak now. I'm learning Spanish. So I, I consider Spanish a half language right now. Uh, and I spoke Arabic, yeah. which again, if you don't use it, you lose it. So I haven't used Arabic in 20 yeah. years. So yeah, I definitely lost it. But what's the difference between Farsi and Arabic? There a difference between uh, Chinese and Japanese. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, the characters may look the same, but they're totally different languages. Uh, I'm not a linguistics major, but I like to think 
that they're differently rooted, or at least if they ha- do have a common ancestor, uh, it's very, very, very far off. And according to scholars, the Farsi, the modern Farsi you hear now, is not the far- same Farsi as before Islam existed. Um, a little brief history. Uh, Persia existed, and then uh, there's Christianity. Um, someone, uh, Muhammad comes in and says, Islam, and his caliphs are like, you know what, we have to force this religion on people. So they go and start, you know, invading different areas. And one of the places they invaded was Iran. Uh, They invaded Iran. They forbade the language, made Arabic mandatory. Um, They forced Islam onto the Persians. And the Persians finally kicked them out. they kind of brought Farsi back, but it was like Farsi mixed with Arabic. So it's it, modern scholars say that that the mo- Farsi now is not that Farsi. We don't mm. speak the same language. Um, and then I forgot my train of thought, but uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, no, no uh, difference between Farsi and Arabic. So yeah, yeah, they there is um, Farsi exists in Arabic. I kind of smacked it, and now there's. There's some Arabic and the Farsi, and uh, they use the same letters. However, the Persian alphabet, the Farsi alphabet, has a few more letters than the Arabic alphabet. We have the Persians, the Farsi has P, the C-A sound, ch, um, J, like uh, the French J, like Jules. Mm. Not like like Jewel, but Jules. I, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing correctly, but that, that J. I think there's one more letter, and I forget what it was. But yeah, that's uh, that's the difference. So you're from um, Iranian descent. Iranian descent, yes. Nice, and but we, you're, we, you're first generation American. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. born here, uh, so you can't deport me. And uh, yeah, I was the first born for. Well, technically, I was. I won't even get there. Let's just say I was first born. We'll keep it at that. but what was it what was it like growing up in indiana Mm, terrible (laughs) (laughs) okay i hate indiana no i love indiana uh i think i went from um chicago suburbs where there's high diversity where there was not not just diversity in people but businesses Mm. as well like things you could do recreation um you know a big city like Chicago or even New York, LA, all this, there's so much to do. There's so many different people. There's so many different cultures, different kind of restaurants and grocery stores. When you go to rural Southern Indiana, you don't have that. You have Walmart. You have a grocery store that's not Walmart. Um, and then, you know, you're any, you're any town USA businesses, which, and I say any town USA because if you if you travel like I have on the interstate, a lot of a lot of these exits look the same. It's the same four fast food restaurants, same four gas stations. For sure. And if you and if you go to the town, there's a strip mall. There's a it's nothing that defines that city. And that was a lot of Southern Indiana, Vincennes. Um, then further south, we went to Evansville, which is slightly bigger than Vincennes, but no, it's much bigger than Vincennes. Sorry, and. There I was, Southern Indiana, um, kind of diverse-ish, but there's nothing really close to uh, 
Southern Indiana. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like you'd be like, well, I'm going to take two hours to go there. And it, it, Indy wasn't as big as it was. So a three-hour trip to Indianapolis or four-hour trip to Indianapolis, um, you know, and you got the same anytime USA kind of feel there. Um, if you really want to go to a city, like a city city, you'd have to drive to Louisville, which was a little further out, or Chicago, or so on and so forth. But being from the suburbs of Chicago, we kept, you know, taking the six-hour trip to go to Chicago. Yeah. When I was growing up, I, I, I've always wanted a different environment to be happy, to thrive, to to just a different environment. Was this the same for you? Was would Did you want something more? Did you want something, like, you didn't want to grow up there, like, if you no, didn't like where you didn't grow up, how like how did you how did you manage? Well, I I didn't. I I mean I escaped into my own head. Um, yeah. You know I I didn't have a lot of hobbies. Um, I mean unless you count playing with Legos and action figures, but I mean what what defined me? What made me more special? Nothing. Um, I joined a science fair. I did a science experiment just to keep myself busy. That was my hobby, finding reasons to stay at school. So mm. uh, school extracurriculars kept me a little sane, um, like science, the nerdy ones, academic team, science Olympiad, all that stuff. Mm. Um, but, you know, one of the things I liked about being rural Indiana is I was, without trying, one of the smarter students in the high school and middle school. Like, I, I didn't even try and, but I didn't flaunt it. I wasn't a gunner. I didn't, I didn't care if I got a 4.0. Like, who cares about a 4.0? Uh, my parents did. <laughs> and uh, but I didn't. I was like, I know. I know stuff. This, yeah. I, you know, I, I have this, I have this intuitive knowledge. But, you know, like the book smart, memorize everything. I, I'm not more of a book guy. I'm more of a hands-on guy, which, again, what makes dentistry so amazing. Mm-hmm. But you you do have a lot of creative aspects about you. Mm-hmm. You post them on Instagram. You 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 know you, you express them on, on, on several different levels. Did you always want to be a dentist, or was that something you were kind of like, why not? You know, honestly, I uh, I didn't, the way I grew up, uh, we grew up very sheltered and closed off. So I wasn't sure what I could be. You know. Uh, my parents already told me I was going to be either a doctor or a lawyer. So there you go. I mean, my dad's a doctor. And according to them, if you're not a doctor, you you know, what kind of life can you have? Hmm. Um, but I, I think, I, I think it's not as straightforward as that. I think with being a doctor or a lawyer, it's guaranteed job security. You know, yeah. um, when you're in a creative field, a lot of um, your business uh, relies on uh, trying to sell people, mm-hmm. you know, whereas a doctor, people are going to get sick. You're always going to have patients or with a lawyer, people are always getting in trouble or, you know, there's always legal fights to fight. So yeah, lawyers are always necessary. So those are good um, professions to get into because you have job security as opposed to creative field where, you know, you have to market yourself, you have to take commissions, you have to actively, uh, seek people to take commissions and so on and so forth. Your next paycheck isn't guaranteed unless you keep performing and you can perform at an aesthetic level that people like. You can't just say I'm an artist and draw stick figures and 
and hope to succeed, you have to actually have some, you know, talent. Mm. But, um, but you know what? Funny enough, in a way, that's kind of like dentistry. Um, people do need their cavities filled, but unless you can sell them on it mm. and perform the task well, you know, to a certain aesthetic, um, you're going to starve. Because, yeah. I, like I said, I, there are dental practices that go bankrupt, you know, for, uh, for better or worse. They go bankrupt because um, they're, not, they're not delivering. You know, they're not uh, producing what the patient wants. And uh, that's like kind of like being an artist. If you don't, if you can't deliver, if you're not seeing commissions, you're going to starve. Um, how, so you, you have a couple of siblings, right? Yeah. But what, why were you also sheltered? Um, when my parents moved here, I guess my dad, he's very conservative and he scared my mom into, I guess, you know, all American kids do is, fall through the cracks, have sex, do drugs, get someone pregnant. Mm -hmm. And that, that's it. Game over. You know, um, it's, it's at every corner. You got to be careful. You know, that kid. Yeah. John who's sitting next to my lovely son. Yeah. If my son becomes friends with him and they go to his house, they're going to try drug. They're going to try smoking. Then they're going to do drugs yeah. and then he's going to OD and die. My son will die. And yeah. you know, it's, it's a slippery slope. You, you laugh. People, I, I, anyone who hears this is going to laugh. They're like, okay, that's cartoonish. That's a bit of hyperbole. But that was literally the logic. Like um, my sister, for example, wasn't allowed to go anywhere by herself for a very long time uh, until her 20s because my parents are afraid if she goes somewhere, she's going to get kidnapped or raped or both or whatever. And so, you know, always someone had to be there to watch her. Of course, after, have you ever heard of Laura Sperrier? Mm -hmm. Yep. In Indianapolis, someone grabbed her and she disappeared. So I guess fear justified. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, no, uh, but for me, like, yeah, I, I wasn't allowed to go to anyone's place. And they were very critical of the people who did come over because they had an ethical, ethical and behavioral standard for how people should act. And people aren't acting the way of their standards, then, you know, maybe a little distance from them. And so as a result, I didn't really go anywhere or do anything, but uh, I had that sense of exploring and pushing my boundaries. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like I was able to climb out of my sheltered shell faster than my siblings. But what was the cost of having to push those boundaries? Uh, the disappointment of parents, um, which, you know, if you think of when I was thinking about it, I'm like, okay, so listen, I want to do, I want to go out and hang out with friends at a party. I'm not going to hook up with a girl and get her pregnant. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not going to inject heroin and possibly OD like, mm. come on. If, if, by now, like, and I'm talking about like, I'm in my twenties, like, I have immigrant parents, they, their reach is yeah. long. Um, you know, it's like, I know not to do drugs. If someone's like, Hey, do you want to try some cocaine? I'm like, no, because that's dumb. So yeah, <laughs> man, it, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of patience. What does it take? It takes a lot of patience 
to have those fights with your parents when you're as you're pushing the boundaries. Because that's why a lot of people don't push their boundaries because they don't want to they don't want to get in that conflict, right? right and so exactly. yeah. I I just saw the conflict as a part of it, you know, like I. Especially because my parents were hard on me, so I feel like there's going to be conflict no matter what. So I'm just going to push the envelope, push the envelope. Um, you know, when I was a kid, as a, I'd get on my bike and go one more street down, one street down, one more street down, see how far I could get. And same, same when growing up. You know, uh, I'm going to go to a friend's house. I'm going to go um, visit another city on my own and stay stay the night by myself with no parental supervision. Again, in my 20s, it's. It's sad when I really think about it now. Uh, uh, Mom, I, w- I want to go to Comic Con. Can I? Can I do that? <laughs> um, After you finish your homework, dearie. No, it's not. It's not sad. I. I, I mean, that, that's some. That's some uh, people's realities, and you know, more power to them. When you went to school, you came back. How and. At what point, how did you end up meeting your wife, Sam? Um, <laughs> funny enough, because of Ghostbusters. Um, as you know, I, I do Ghostbuster costuming, and I met like-minded people in the internet, and we hung out. And the wife of the guy in the Ghostbuster group is friends with a another girl who's friends with another girl who dated this girl who knew my wife's sister who is obviously siblings to my wife. So um, as a result of these social connections, I got invited to her sister's birthday party. Um, and I, I guess it got out that I like soccer. I don't know how that came up. Um, and someone called my wife. like, Hey, this guy likes the rival soccer team you like. Uh, go go tell them off. And we had a little bickering, a little banter about whose team is better. Um, and then we, we dated shortly after. And then we got married. And then we had kids. And now I'm on a podcast. <laughs> well, okay, let's get into that now. We need to discuss with the current events that are taking place. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> and, uh, this is where I'm. I'm this is where friendships end. Yeah, friendships end. Politics. I'm, I'm gonna bleed emotionally all over this place. I'm gonna. Oh cry. man. I'm probably gonna have sniffles. Um, you know, it's 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 gonna be really me being raw about it, the situation that has happened last week. But uh, before we get into that, um, what what made you appreciate soccer? Did you always appreciate soccer? I didn't know about soccer until we didn't have soccer until we moved to Iran. We were in Iran for a year. And um, one year we went to Iran. My parents wanted to live there. Like, that's it. We're moving to Iran. This is it. It's happening. And it didn't work out, obviously, because I'm here. Um, But they were showing a, I don't know, I forget which game it was. It was either World Cup or it was Euro. What, 2006? Uh, let me think. Well, not 2006. No, 2008. It was probably 2008. 90, no, it was actually the 98 uh, World Cup. It had to be. Or was it Euro? It was 98 Euro? It was a European game. It was an international game. And I, I would m- watch more and more, and especially because uh, the national sport in Iran 
is uh, is football or soccer, like real football, like not American football. Yeah. And uh, I, I loved it. And uh, at the time, I'm I'm getting introduced to these international students who are talking about these teams that they like. Like, well, I like Manchester United. I'm a big Manchester United fan. And this kid's like, I like AC Milan. And I'm like, to me, it's like, that was nonsense. Like, what are those teams? I have, they play soccer in a league. You mean yeah. like American football is not the number one sport? What? And uh, I did have a team at the, I just, just watch for entertainment's sake. I know people uh, favor Germany. Uh, people would favor Brazil. Uh, being Iranian, I, I just favor the Iranian national team just because it made sense. Mm. Um, and it wasn't until I moved from Southern Indiana, again, mm. that constant, not that much stuff going on, uh, being closed off to, uh, move to central Indiana, Indianapolis, and they had soccer playing in the pubs. And I'm like, what, what? It's here. You can watch it. Like we didn't have this in, when I was growing up in, uh, in Southern Indiana. I mean, I'm sure soccer existed. But we had no access to it. So yeah. I, I started watching. I had no favorite team. And uh, I uh, Barcelona caught my eye. A couple reasons. One, at the time, I, I didn't know what the sponsorship was. I just assumed that was the t- name of the team. So I'm like, oh, man, this UNICEF team looks pretty cool. And at the time, Ronald Zinho was playing. I'm like, this guy's really good. Like, he he was a joy to watch. I love Ronald Zinho to death. But uh, – and then slowly I got, you know, found out about all the other players and uh, Barcelona became my team. Yeah. And then so I went from uh, not knowing much about soccer to forming my own uh, soccer fan supporter group uh, or fan support group in Denver, uh, which we're growing. We, we used to have just two members, two, three members. Now we're like – a consistent 20 30 people coming in every time what's what's funny is the guy i, I was uh, front row seat to your uh, arduous task on mm-hmm. making uh the kenya happen for you in denver yeah you went from having uh like three different bars yeah so oh for those who don't know pena is uh spanish slash catalan for group so when we say uh barcelona pena we're saying the barcelona fan group anyway um Yes, so we we I tried a few different bars. Uh, British Bulldog, um, a big soccer bar in Denver, not my favorite, and we'll talk about that later if you want. Uh, we went then Three Lines at the time, which was owned by the same people, and they shut it down because you know they don't want a soccer pub; they want a generic uh, all American sports bar. So good luck with that. They lost a lot of business, by the way, when they went from soccer pub to just. They did? I'm sure they did. Like you're losing customers who are, gonna, who are willing to come in on a weekday on a weekday. Who's going to come to your bar in mass on a Tuesday? Uh, you know, unless they're watching the champions league, you know, that, that draws people, especially the classico, yeah. you know, I mean, you're, you're every classico, that bar is packed. The bar is packed classico yeah. twice a year, just a regular league game. Like compared to the NFL, like the NFL final, their numbers compares to one league game, regular league game in a European country. European yeah. country. So yeah, it, it tells you something. Um, oh man, but I mean, yeah. So we 
three lines shut down. We migrated to a place called Maria and Panada just because they had a big screen TV. They do sell beer, which is huge. And, uh, and Panadas. Um, we were there for a year until someone suggested the Celtic at the market. And we went there and it wasn't until we went there until uh, people start really gathering. I don't know if people just didn't like to go down Colfax because that's where um, Three Lines was. It was a little bit uh, West Colfax-ish. And then, well, not really, but still. For some reason, people don't want to go that far out of the city. Mm-hmm. But uh, then you have the Celtic at the Market, which is in the city. And I don't know. I guess it's for a lot of people, it's easier to get to. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. Two bars, downtown Denver, and uh, one of them just happens to be a venue people like to come more. Uh, but we are, we've are we been there at the Celtic for a year now, and uh, they've been super accommodating. Um, so that's our home bar. Yeah. It's a great place. I've been there, and I've been there with you and everyone. Yeah. I just – anybody who loves soccer is going to just love that bar. The yeah. Owners, the owner's from England and, and – Ireland. Ireland. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. Yeah, he, he really loves soccer. Just like, well, I got to stop calling it that because if you go to Europe and you say soccer, they're going to kick you in the nuts. Yeah. You know? Well, they, they'll understand we're, we're Americans. We're unrefined. Yeah, I know. I know. The most unique thing about your relationship with uh, Samantha, your wife, or Sam as we call her, is the fact that she is a Real Madrid fan. Yes. And I, I must say, they're just for myself – there's just no goddamn way I would ever marry a woman who is a real Madrid fan. It's but not as... Sam, but having met Sam, <laughs> I can see why you did. It's not as bad as you think. I mean, she's not a hardcore fan like I am. She's a casual, loyal, but casual, more casual fan than I am. So she doesn't keep up with the news and all that or the games as much. She, she generally knows, goes, knows what's going on with the team, but not like me who just watches every game, pre-analysis, post-analysis, um, during analysis, uh, bar review and all that stuff, posts on Twitter, then posts on the Facebook, you know, banter with some people, uh, how dare you and all that stuff. But uh, so – that being said, it's, it's not like she's coming in after a loss and rubbing in my face saying, nah, 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 you know. Hmm. So it, it's pretty easy. Um, so now I'm getting into the most painful aspect of this podcast is the fact that Lionel Messi is leaving Barcelona. I know. Dude, it's, uh, it's messed up. It's definitely messed up because this is a guy who's, play, who's known nothing else. Mm-hmm. All his life, minus the fraction of the time that he was in that um, club in Argentina, 99% of his career has been Barcelona. I mean, he is the face of Barcelona because, like, I think Ronaldinho was great, and I think he brought a lot of people in the door, but it was messy, you know. Yeah. Um, he's the modern, you know, the last generation had um, Pelé and Maradona. We have Messi. Yeah. No, hands down, one of the greatest footballers of all time. And, you know, he's been at this club for all this time. And now there's a spat and he's leaving. And it's like, what? 
It's like when Michael Jordan was leaving um, the Bulls. The Bulls, and it's like, is, is there Bulls without Michael Jordan? Like, you know. But uh, holy crap! Yeah, no, and and you know, I I I posted this on Twitter. Danny Alves, when he left, uh, that should have been a warning, you know, because Danny Alves severely underrated. Uh, you don't get, you don't hear about him as much. He's like Iniesta. People, people didn't talk talk about him as much, even though uh, he won a World Cup, he won a Euro back to back, two back to back Euros, uh, a World Cup in between winning Champions Leagues here, uh, Club World Cup there, and doesn't get the Ballon d'Or, which that was a complete robbery. Now, yeah, and you have Danny Alves, amazing player. Um, just because he's not scoring the goals doesn't mean he's not great. You know, he uh, provided – he was a huge asset to Barcelona, especially to Messi, because mm-hmm. uh, they played well together. Uh, they did a lot of good one-two. Um, and he left. You know, he was a star player. Yeah. Like someone you don't like go. It's like Real Madrid getting rid of uh, what's his face, uh, the douchebag, Ramos. Sergio Ramos, yeah. Yeah. So it's like uh, Real Madrid letting uh, Ramos go, and you're like, wait, what? He's, you know, he's very useful. He's not scoring goals. Well, I mean, but Ramos is scoring goals, but you know, he's not a striker, sure, but like he brings a lot to the table. And Danny Alves was in such a way he brought a lot to the table. Um, they still haven't um, found a replacement. They still have not found a replacement for Danny Alves. I mean, Sergio Roberto is a midfielder that they just stuck back there. And he was supposed to be temporary. He's been there for a long time. Um, Semedo, uh, I mean, defensively he sucks. Uh, and offensively he's good. But, like, I don't know. He's not, uh, he's not a solid. He's not solid for me. He's not Danny Alves. No, no. That's the thing. It's like, I, I mean – if I had to pick, like my right back, Danny Alves, all yeah. day, every day. Oh yeah, he was he was really good because he was he had an excellent ability to dribble, very good pace, um, not the best, but pretty good. And he had this intuitive knowledge of where Messi was going to be or how he wanted to play. And so, again, watch the watch some videos. There's a lot of good uh, chemistry between Messi and. Um, and Danny Alves, but they screwed the pooch, and Danny Alves went to continue his career at other big clubs, uh, thus proving because some people are like, "Well, he wasn't fit; he's declining." But you look him, look at him playing at Juventus and PSG, and now uh, for Sao Paulo. Paulo, um, no, he's 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 still pretty good. I mean, by this age, I think he's 36, 37 now. Okay, so maybe like a year ago we would have let him go, but like we could have still had him for a good. Three years. Three more years. Well, from what I heard was when they brought in, again, this is rumor. You know, it's just, it's, could be 100% BS. Could be 100 Hearsay, yeah. But from what I heard, Danny Alves was a bad influence on Neymar. They kept partying. And so to prevent Neymar from partying, they got rid of Danny Alves. That's what I heard. Yeah, that really helped. <laughs> yeah, and, and, right. And then like, Na- Neymar the snake left for PSG to become something for himself, but still is in the shadow of Messi. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. There's a guy today who was wearing a PSG jersey, and I, and I said, what do you think about the defeat? And he was crushed, of course, being a fan. 
And I, I said, well, how, did you expect it? And, and he said, I kind of did. Because based on their behavior of the semifinal where, where they won, they went out and partied it. And the Bayern Munich people were really worried. You know, this is it. We're in the finals. We could win the tripletta. We can win the triple crown. Yeah. And, and they, they, were, they took it seriously. And that's why they won. PSG, I mean, the midfield improved. They were the best team this year. Yeah, I, th- I think the best. If, if, if their mid- midfield improved, you know, if if if, if their midfield was, you know, at a Dion or somebody, I think yeah. they would have won. Yeah, you know, but they gassed out. I mean, just over halfway through. Man, poor Neymar. I mean, kind of poor. He, he's getting paid a lot to be poor Neymar. Um, <laughs> but I mean, first getting that beating from that. I mean, the, a lot of the people in the Bayern Munich team are the German national team. So these guys play a lot all the time. Mm. Um, and I think that's what makes Bayern Munich uh, such a great team because a lot of these players play together anyway for club and country. But uh, yeah. I feel like that helps a little bit. Um, man, they, they demolished they demolished Barcelona. Um, yeah. I mean, they tore them apart mercilessly. Like, if you would have told me this was a B team or – these guys never played soccer professionally. This, they're just going to play against them professionally. They got slaughtered. Um, How did it feel when you were watching them getting slaughtered? It, it, it sucked. I'm not going to lie. But you know what? I don't think there's a Barcelona fan who, in their heart of hearts, didn't know that Bayern was going to beat Barcelona and they were going to beat them badly. Like, Barcelona's been hanging on to Luck and Messi. Um, and... You know, Messi can only do so much. He's just one of 11 players. And, man, I, I don't know. I, I just – if the blame falls not only on the players but also the coach, the management, I mean, everyone. Everyone was to blame. Because uh, you know Messi wants to win. Like, that, he plays to win. Uh, but he can't do it all. He gets tired. You, you have to be tired. That guy starts and finishes all his games. Like, yeah. um. So, you know, the management who keeps buying these uh, Galacticos, we, we've become what we hated. You know, we always made fun of Madrid. They, they don't cultivate players. They just, just buy them. Galacticos. Now that's what Barcelona is. They don't want to cultivate. They have this fresh crop of amazing youth players who want to play, and they're cheaper. Uh, so what if we lose a few years? Like, Ajax... Everyone admires the hell of Ajax. You know, they don't get far in the Champions League, but they're a team to watch. Certainly, there's a lot of talent in Ajax. They, they, whoever's the um, talent scout for that team, they have a good eye because they make a good business in selling amazing players. Um, but uh, where was I going with this? Well, I, I like Ajax for, um, or as you say in the States, uh, Ajax. Yeah. Um, I like Ajax as a, a Dutch team. Um, my favorite German team is Dortmund. I like Dortmund, uh, Borussia Dortmund. Um, good eye for good talent. Um, Lyon, that's my favorite French team. And um, same thing, good eye for good talent. That's funny. I don't have a, I don't have a French team. Ho- hopefully, it's going to be Lyon. <laughs> well, as a, as a, I mean, half joking, half seriously. I don't think I care about the French league enough to like have a team. Um, they the league 
they can't hold on to their good players, they end up going to England or uh, and Spain. So you know what what's left is like not that impressive. Um, it's not really a fun league to watch. I would say even the Italian league is more fun to watch than the French league. You don't like the Italian team? I do. It's just my favorite team in the Italian league is AC Milan, and they've been kind of mid-table lately for the last decade almost. Well, they have the, they have a uh, Abrahimovic back. You know, again, he's just one guy. He can't, and he's old. He's not going to bring that team around. Um, what's happening with with AC Milan is not too different than what's happening with um, Barcelona because a lot of the key Barcelona players are well over thirty, and so you know they're not going to be able to keep up with the younger players who are in their prime right now. Yeah. Um, so there should have been a plan to transition, but now they're scrambling, you know, firing players left and right, telling, you know, Suarez, you got to go. Uh, Rakitic, you got to go. Vidal, you got to go. This should have been done sooner and systematically. Like, Suarez, I would have held on to him for, like, maybe a couple more years after the Champions League win in 2005, 2006. Um, but after two years of not delivering, I would be like, you know what, Suarez, we need another striker. You're good, but, you you know, too many cheeseburgers in you. Um, Rakitic, same thing. It's like Rakitic, uh, we need a, a midfielder who has an attacking attitude. You keep passing back, like, stop. Uh, Vidal, which he's re- relatively recent. I think he's only been with us for a year, but we don't need him. We, He's a midfielder. We have plenty of midfielders in the Barcelona Academy. I don't think Barcelona has produced anything but midfielders. They might have defensive midfielders and offensive midfielders, that to occupy defensive and offensive positions, but I think it's all midfielders. But um and occasionally decent goalie. But yeah, get rid of Vidal, get rid of Rakitic. Rakitic isn't that good. Vidal is not that good. Mm. Bring in bring in Pouge. Um bring back Alenia as a super sub. I don't know. We get we still have Sergio Roberto. You like Roberto man. I, I as a human being that that man's gone through a lot. He just lost his mother uh, just recently, and somebody, you know, like I understand what he's going through. This, it's it's really really difficult. But this guy, like I've watched him go down, and it's sad. The nail in the coffin, the PSG uh, um, Barcelona game final was like yeah. it was on him. You know, he did that. But I, I don't know. I, I, I like him because you know what? He doesn't cause drama. He knows he knows who he is. He knows his abilities. So he knows he'll play any position. He wants to be that guy who's dependable. Sometimes you don't need a really good player. You need a player that's going to be there. You can count on them. And that's Sergio Roberto. He's not the best player in whatever position he plays, but he'll play there. Even if he has to warm the bench, he'll be there too. You know? I don't think in the last – since Sergio Roberto started in 2010. Uh, so he's been with the club for a good 10 years. He's been the A team, the main, the men's team, for 10 years. Not once has he complained. I haven't heard anything about his salary, nothing. That guy shows up to work, does what he needs to, reliable. And people are like, no, you need to sell him. You need to sell him. Guys, there's 23 spots on the main team. Some of those guys are going to be subs. Sergio Roberto's okay with it. 
let's keep him. He understands the system. He knows how uh, other players play. Don't bring someone from the outside to become a super sub and then have them bitch him out about being a super sub and then end up leaving. You know? Like Rakitic, he wasn't getting – I think at some point he wasn't getting enough minutes and he was just like, why don't I get enough minutes? I'm a good player. I don't know. So that's why I like Sergio Roberto. He does not cause drama. Yeah. Well, good point. Good point. Yeah. And that's why I don't like Rakitic because last year when they when we really needed him, he said that he wanted to play every single game. It was last year, year before. I forgot what it was, but he insisted on playing every game if he was going to renew his contract, and they and they caved in, which meant that Puj couldn't play. Oh, had to get sold off to. Um, Betis. Betis, Real Betis. And mm-hmm. it's like we destroyed a midfield because, you know, poor baby had to have him, you know, midfield all the time. Yeah. No, um, no, Iniesta, Xavi, and Puyol. Why I like them? Same reason. Except they were much better at what they did. But still, they came in, showed up to work, kicked ass, didn't cause tra- uh, drama. And they left. And when it was time, when each of the players were like, I can't do anymore, I'm not improving, I'm declining, I had to go somewhere else, they retired. Puyol retired. Iniesta went to Japan. Uh, Chavi went somewhere in the Middle East. And uh, they left. No no fuss, no muss. Mm. But these other players are like, ah, I'm not getting minutes. I'm not getting minutes. I want more money. I do this. I get into drunk driving accidents. Um, I bite people, you know, like, I don't know. Well, who should then leave this year? Who, who, who would you give the, 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 you know, the bums rush to, as we say in the States or, um, Wait, who that? should, Oh, who, Oh, who should leave? I thought you said lead, leave. Um, you know what? Let me pull up the roster. Cause this has been a long time <laughs> coming. I've been waiting to tell people about this. Um, let's see. I think we should get ourselves another second string goalkeeper. Um, just because we need someone who's younger, nimble. Um, let's see. Like Junior Furpo, what has he done? Um, or Umtiti definitely. We should definitely offload Umtiti. That guy. That's my number one. That's my number one Umtiti. I mean, that guy has played for us supposedly since 2016. I, I mean, he was a sub for the first year, but I haven't really seen him play. I don't think he has, he's really played in the last two years. I don't know. I, I, I just – he doesn't stand out. Vidal, he yeah, was – He was exceptional. When MTT played, he was phenomenal. Yeah, but then he keeps getting injured, and it's like, what the hell? Well, no, but but he, he then at that point he um, he got a renewal in his contract. They gave him a pay raise, and then all of a sudden he he got injured. No, I don't want surgery. I want to work this out. He's been declining ever since on purpose. And to me, it's like we got to get rid of him no matter what, more than anything else. Like we've got got rid of MTT a long time ago. He's, he has a really bad attitude. Um, no, Frankie, I'm not saying we're getting rid of him. Frankie, hopefully with this new coach, he'll be played in his proper position. I say we keep Sergio Roberto because, again, he's versatile. Uh, he's a company man. He's not going to 
cause any fuss. Um, people are saying we should get rid of Braithwaite, but, you know, we're not counting on Braithwaite to be a regular forward. He knows who he is. He knows he's a super sub, you know? So uh, if he's not going to cause trouble, keep him. If he's going to whine and moan about his place in the team to get rid of him. Jordy Alba, I think he's still capable, maybe, but I think mentally he's not there and he's physically declining a little bit. Um, Griezmann, don't even get me started. He's one of those Galactico signings we should have never done uh, because we bought him and then we played him out of position like we've been doing with strikers for the last 10 years. Um, constantly playing these guys out of position. Lenglet, he's decent. He's mediocre plus. Um, I say, eh, he's okay. He's not, you know, I mean, he was playing that 8-2 to two game. So, you know, some of that befalls him. Some of Barcelona's worse, not worse losses, but bad losses. You, you know, he's made some mistakes. And if he can avoid making those mistakes, I think he would push to elites. But right now, he's, he's pretty good. Mm. He's pretty good, but not there yet. Um, Dembele, I would offload just because, again – I don't remember the last time this guy's played. I yeah, he might be capable, but uh, you know, when's the last time he's played? Or and if he does, like, how does he? How long does he play for us until he gets injured again? You know, we. I can't believe that Dembele has been with us for three years. It it feels like we've had him very little. I mean, I haven't really seen him. He's like Umtiti. I haven't seen him. Mm. Messi. I will say this, though. When Messi and Suarez got injured, it gave opportunity to the subs like Ansu Fadi and uh, who's the other kind of thing of? Um, there's another youth player that jumped in. Um, was it uh, the one who went to Roma? It might be. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but uh, um, what was his name? But anyway, he had the opportunity to play four positions for Barcelona. It was amazing to watch because you see these young players just exploding with such talent and pace. And you're like, why have we not been using these guys? Why are we signing players? We have amazing guys on our own. Like, no, they're not messy, but they don't have to be. Stop putting that pressure on these players. Stop saying they're the next Messi or the next Xavi or the next Iniesta. When you do that, you put pressure. Don't do that. Just appreciate the talent what it is and they might just be the next themselves like you don't have to compare people all the time yeah um but anyway uh so suarez definitely gotta go um i can't believe we have a 33 year old striker uh i mean he's great he's a great player but like surely we could do better you know um I always tell people before Lewandowski signed for Bayern, we should have Barcelona should have signed him. I mean, clearly a goal scoring machine, and I guess he doesn't fit into the plans. Um, when was he available? Uh, da, 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 da. let me see. Let's see. So he would have been available. Um, he was playing in the Polish league, 
and I'm sure that whatever Polish team he's playing for would be super willing to sell him. And then he played for Borussia for four years. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bayern took a lot of <laughs> Borussia players. Uh, they took Hummels. They took um, – oh, man, this Ford, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, they took Lewandowski. Oh man, he just and he just went back to Borussia too. I can't remember his name. I'm gonna punch myself because I have a friend. Uh, she looks like him, and we always bring that up to her. Um, dang it, I can't remember. But the 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 fact that uh, Messi has announced that he's leaving uh, leaving Barcelona for um, Manchester City. Yeah. For for me, it, it it felt like I lost a sibling, I lost somebody very very close to me. Oh, it's a it's a huge loss. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, not just to the sport, because uh, it's not the same. Messi without Barcelona, what is that? It's it's like when My- Michael Jordan was playing for the Wizards. Yeah, he's playing, but it just doesn't look right, you know. Right. Um, but you know what? I think him teaming up with Pep. Is going to be amazing, and for that reason, I, I'll I'll be a Man City fan while they're there. You know, you could make an argument that there's some huge Barca DNA going on at Man City right now. So, yeah, I'll I'll follow that team for a little bit. I'll I'll watch Messi's last few years. We'll see. Yeah, I, I just well, as you all know, I've, I've I've had a really tough seven years, and mm-hmm. um, the. What has always got me through it was the day that I always dreamed of having to witness Lionel Messi retire at Barcelona. Yeah. Um, you know, with my connection at Barcelona, it's like you you can come, other people can come by, you know, Rodrigo um, would come. And we'd all witness this legend retiring at Barcelona. That That was always something that got me through some really tough times. That's not happening. You know, nope. that's not happening. That's not happening for you, for me, for everybody. And it's like the send-off of this person who's given so much, you know, so many trophies from four, four like, you know, uh, Champions League trophies. And, and like, because of the, he was involved. And he, like, he, he brought a shine to this club. He, it, it's, you know, it's, it really feels like losing a sibling to me. Yeah, uh, it just like I said, he's a, he's a fixture now. You know, he's been at that club. He's broken records. He scores. He's a goal scoring machine. He's an amazing playmaker. He, I mean, he's and uh, now for him to leave, it's like uh, it's a huge hit. Um, not for the club, but for the fans. Again, it's it's weird, you know. Um. Messi was a senior player for the team for most of me watching Barcelona. So I think uh, Messi came to the scene just as I was starting to watch. Um, and yeah, and to see him gone, it's like, what is this team going to be like? Is it even going to be the same team? Can you identify this, this team as Barcelona? I don't know. I the the way I see it, it's it, Messi. 
he said he wanted to meet with Komen, the new coach from Barcelona. And he wanted to have a private discussion. And he said he wasn't sure if he wanted to stay. So guess what? He, what? he gave the board enough time to say, um, I'm not too sure if these, these, these bullshit antics are going to keep up or not. So I'm, I just want to know, what, like, what's your plan? What are you going to do? Is the board going to have some influence over your decisions and, and, all, and, and this stuff? And the board turns around and bites Messi. And the one thing is, like, I, I listened to this ESPN pundit about, like, the ramifications of Messi leaving La Liga and how much it's going to damage you know, La Liga itself, which is the Spanish soccer league or football. Yeah. Um, the ship is going to go way down. Well, there's people who are definitely going to follow Messi. I mean, wherever team he goes to next, that jersey sales are going to surge. They're going to run out of one, zeros, and M-E-S-I. S-S-I. <laughs> well, no, I mean, they're gonna, if they run out of one yeah, S. Yeah. Ah, ha, ha. ah, you're right. Yeah. I'm, well, as you will know, I'm a little stoned. So. <laughs> no, you're um, fine. Um, but you know, it's it's the the, the board did not calculate in the, the significant loss that's going to happen. They didn't calculate. They, I mean, some of the board members were saying, "Oh, we can sell Messi. We can get some money for him, and we can pay off the debt. We don't have to worry about his his weekly wages, which were somewhere what like quarter of a million dollars a week." Yeah, um, you know, Messi leaving is going to be both a good and bad thing for the club. Good because it finally lets fresh blood into the team because it's going to free up wage. But bad because, again, he's he's a tremendous player, even at this age. Um, also the marketing, you know, uh, Messi is probably leading. It's probably top ten, maybe not leading. But top ten jersey sales easily, both mm-hmm. for our, I mean combined with Argentina and Barcelona. I mean I'm sure Ronaldo uh, sells probably the only person who sells more than Messi. Um, I mean when I don't know how I'm wondering how much revenue Juventus got from the day like they announced Ronaldo's or Juventus player and they announced his number like how fast those jersey sell sales go. Oh, they they were pretty big. They were pretty, yeah, pretty big numbers. Yeah. And I imagine Messi's going to be a bit bigger, uh, especially if he goes to the EPL team. Because, as you know, EPL just has a broader reach in terms of marketing. Uh, EPL is more popular in the United States. Of course, it's popular in England, but, of course, different parts of Europe and other parts of the world. Um, But This board did not think at all the ramifications of their actions. I... Their their heads are somewhere, uh, probably up the rear ends, because they have made so many bad decisions. Again, getting rid of Danny Elvis, buying all these big stars that flop. Like, Coutinho, not his fault. I believe it's not his fault, but he flopped at Barcelona. And we spent all that money for him. We spent money for Dembele. Uh, we lost Neymar. I mean, and then all of our youth players are leaving because we're not giving them the opportunity and they're thriving. Like Adama, uh, have you seen him at uh, Wolfhampton? The, mm-hmm. the Wolves? Dude, he's gotten jacked. Yeah. yeah. Um, and other players seem to be doing okay. Dude, I, I just remembered, uh, we, <laughs> remember that Portuguese midfielder we had that everyone hated? 
Now he plays for Everton. Who was he? Oh. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? No. Um, God, he – I don't know how this guy is more hated than Rakitic because I remember people like, we need him off our team, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. Everton. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? DEA. That was a Barcelona player. Yeah, DEA uh, was. Yep. Oh, Andre Gomez. Do you remember him? Yeah. Gomes? Gomes, Jesus. It's forever. He's doing well at uh, Everton. Oh, man. Yeri Mina, who was our defender for a second, he's there. So, yeah, let's see. Yeri Mina. I don't even think he was was our defender for even a full season. No, half a season. Yeah, Jesus. Um, Gomes, though, was at Barcelona for three years. And he just was not that good for us. Um, and then, where did Dini come from? Came from PSG. Didn't end up doing much. He was just low impact. But he's, he was he, uh, he was Mestia, right? No, he was uh, French. Oh, yeah. I thought, I thought no, I thought he was for a second, but no. I mean, what I feel like when I was told when, you know, Messi's going to leave, you know, I was very heartbroken. And, and then I saw the video where he scored against Napoli, and that's the last goal he scored for Barcelona. And I, and I really got upset. I really started, uh, you know, crying and everything. And, and I, 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 like, how much I'm going to miss this guy. But at the same time, like, yes, I'm self, selfishly, of course, I want him to be a Barcelona. You know, I'm a Barcelona fan. We're Barcelona fans. You can't help it. Um, at the same time, like this guy's a legend. He needs to go and thrive in his last couple of years. It's not like he's 26. It's not like he's 23. He's 33. And and he's got two good years left in him. You know, and he can probably do three if he if if like he he wants to even the playing field as far as like his age and how much like. But yeah, it's that's it, and I, I kind of feel like Ray Hudson said it best, which was he's never like the cheers and the and and everything. It's just not going to be the same because it's not Barcelona. However, Messi does need to go because he needs to be at his best. Yeah, like his five years, the board is screwed up. Like again, worthless signings, um, not getting rid of people, just. A stagnant team, a stagnant coach, a Valverde. Like, what the hell is that, man? Oh, my God. We should have – I mean, we should have fired him way before Liverpool, but I I guess you needed something like Liverpool to, like, wake us up. And, uh, unfortunately, it happened again. We we lost horrendously against against Bayern, and that woke up the team again. It's like, do we need to do that? Can't we just be self-aware and – and do better at, in managing the team and before something disastrous happens. But I'm, I mean, let's talk about the fact that you, what, what, what has happened with the board and how disastrous that's been and, 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 and how, what a horrible, horrible, horrible like business they, 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 they've, they've, um, I'm going to say this. Um, shit. The business model that they have, like, 
They they have basically ruined the club. They've ruined. Yeah. They've ruined Empire. Just so many poor decisions. It, it's just it's just and the thing is they can't retire because if they do or they step down, they're responsible for all the money that 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 that, that they've mismanaged. It could be hundreds of millions, and they're not going to step down. They they they'd rather fall on their swords than to do the right thing, which is to actually to step down. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. How somebody can really totally mismanage a club, like how badly, like for you, how has this been an example for you? How you don't want to run a club and how you must communicate? Uh, how has this been an example for you as a business owner? You know, I think in some people's heads, uh. There is this selfishness, and you see it a lot in a lot of uh, almost every corporation. There's a selfishness where you could be like, I can help the company or I can help myself, you know. And that's a lot of what's going on at the board, it's a lot of selfishness. Mm-hmm. Um, they're looking at this team, uh. And they're just letting, you know, a coach, coaches who don't have the same Barcelona philosophy. Um, you get players who aren't really fit for the team, but then they get played out of position anyway. Hmm. And even the ones that are who, who do fit the team get played out of position. Um, the players themselves, the older ones like Suarez, PK, Rakitic, they – they just want minutes and get paid and they don't care if the team wins or not, you know, exactly. yep. I, I didn't see heart in that game. There was no heart. There was no heart at all. Like it, it was like the second leg of the Liverpool Barcelona game, no heart. And that's what this team is also missing. People give a damn. And I don't think these older guys do like they've won it all. Think about it. A lot of those people on the Barcelona team who've retired since, um, have won big trophies. The ones that have been there for a while, and they don't care. They've all they've all at least won a Champions League at least once. Some of them have won two, but you know, PK's won World Cup, Champions Leagues, this and this. Why does he care? He just, he's won it all. Where where's he going to push the boundary? You know, as long as he gets paid, why why does he care? Now, like some kid like Fatty, who's relatively unknown, he needs to fight his way to the top. Fatty's going to fight. Fatty's wants a bigger paycheck. He wants more minutes. He's going to fight. Um, he's not established enough like the other guys to fight and get um, star lineup. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be writing that bench. And for him not to write that bench, he has to uh, show he's better. And he is. I mean, that, that's another thing. We already know he's amazing. Why aren't you playing this kid more? Give him more minutes. Give him more minutes. We might have, we might not have another Messi, but maybe we have our own Neymar or Dembele, you know, on our team. Let's cultivate that. Yeah. I mean, do you want to watch La Liga this year? Because it, for me, I'm not doing it. Because it, as long as Bartomeu is in, in power position, I am not watching a Barcelona game. Um, you, are you going to continue to watch? Or, or are you just going to resign yourself and just say, I'm going to get, yeah, watch more Man City games? I mean, I'm definitely going to split my time. I think I'm going to watch 
Man City games. Um, I mean, I'm already an Arsenal fan, so probably spend more time in the Premier League, but I'll definitely watch Barcelona. You know, it's still my team. Um, it's just going to be hard to watch knowing that this board has been picking this team apart and screwing over. Um, because, again, it's these players who are staying, they're not that good. They make it hard to watch the game. You know, someone who's like, oh, look, this guy doesn't care. Uh, Suarez, you know, he still does the same thing. He he barely runs. He flops. I mean, the only time he can really make it is if, if they put the ball right in front of the goal, right in front of his feet. And then maybe, maybe he can make it. Mm-hmm. Because people are like, oh, but he scores a lot of goals. But how many... How many times has he – I mean, how many balls has he been fed and he doesn't convert? If he converted all those times that he's been fed a ball, dude, he'd probably be one of the highest goal scorers right now. But he keeps messing up. It's it's frustrating to watch someone like this who's on decline and not really moving our team forward play and someone who, like, really wants to play. It might not be as good, but wants to play and will probably do a better job of converting. It's been said that Messi has been covering for Suarez, the best friends, or they're really good friends. Yeah, I've heard that too. And that's the thing. I don't know who's in the right. I don't know if Messi is using his influence to hold on to people or is the board throwing him under the bus, uh, blaming him for all the shit that's going on. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say. It's very hard to say. But um, all we know, maybe for sure, we can say is um, there's a conflict. Mm. And you know what? I, rather than keep Messi, another, force him to stay another year where he's going to be unhappy and maybe us seeing a shit performance, let's, um, let's at least let him leave amicably and let's just start over. Let's just do it again, you know, mm. um, and maybe learn some lessons this time. I mean, I think what Messi wants to do is say, look, let's just make this happen and no fighting and no courts or anything because if it goes to courts and you you want to prolong the contract and, and prolong me from going to the Premier League, which is the English League, um, then you get nothing out of it. And if you do it my way, which is let's just agree that I need to leave whatever amount, um, but I need to leave – than they do, like, you know, at least get, a, you know, 300, 300 million from, from Messi, at least. Um, but Messi needs to move on. He really does. He, he really needs to move on. As, as a fan, I do not want him to go away. I'm, I'm torn up about him going away, never wearing that jersey, but he needs to go. You know what sucks is uh, this next year that's coming up, I couldn't decide who I want on a jersey because I'm like, not, not a lot of these players that are on the team right now, besides Ter Stegen, endears me to the team. You know, it's not like I can say – because like I have a Sergio Roberto shirt. And he's Like I said, he's a great guy, but he doesn't like, ah, I need to have another one of the shirts. Um, and I'm thinking, all the other guys, I'm not really fond of. De Jong hasn't proven himself to me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Messi – I was going to do a Messi jersey this year, and now he's going away. I do have a couple. Don't cry for me. I do have a couple of Messi jerseys. <laughs> but um, I always tell people I regret not buying the 2010-2011 jersey because I, uh, I I like the UNICEF sponsor. I don't like any of the sponsors they've had since. 
But, uh, yeah, I wish I would have bought more of the 2010. Those were the best jerseys. Bright, colorful, contrast. Now they're trying to emulate that, but their colors are darker, and it's just like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, we don't even know if the jersey's any good because they say it washes out with water. So I guess they're selling one version of it until they can fix the problem. Mm. I don't know. Um, I like I like this year's jersey though. All all things considered though, it's the first time in a long time we have stripes on the sleeves. Um, the awake is black again after ten. That one's shorter. That one's nine years ish. Um, we have black uh, black shirt and sleeves on a red and blue shirt. Yeah. So good times. Uh, good job to Nike for designing a decent shirt. Yeah. Once every ten years, actually, <laughs> be, be, two thousand ten before. Since they started with Barcelona up until two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, they were doing an awesome job. But after that, they kind of lost their way. The d- colors became darker. Um, yeah, they they did some weird stuff. Well, at last year's uh, jer- uh, home jersey was just awful. The, 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 usually, I buy you know always buy a kit. I'm always buying you know the home away at whatever I can buy. I'm always buying the kit. Yeah, I, just no way. I couldn't do. It. Well, I, I bought the jersey except for that one. I bought the away one too. That's the Sergio Roberto one I have. because yeah. it's the classic. It's from the '70s, red and blue stripe. There you go. That's that's a great design. Good job, Nike. That more of that, please. Um, but dude, I, that's why I uh, am envious of Madrid. They have uh, Adidas. Mm. Oh my god, you should see some of the stuff Adidas uh, designs. It's it's amazing. Adidas has better designers. They do. I, I actually like their product a lot more than than Nike sometimes. Um, but yeah, um, how how were you surviving the COVID? Well, I uh, I still don't have a life. Um, you know, I, before COVID, I would, uh, work, go home, sleep, repeat. And now, uh, I go work, home, sleep, repeat. So not much has changed. (laughs) I mean, I can't take the kids to the museum. That sucks. I, um, I can't go to stores for, you know, that's a lie. I can go to stores freely as long as I wear a mask. Um, but I can't take the kids with me when I go to the store. So, you know, I have to leave them at home with the wife if I want to go to any store and that the logistics of that sometimes gets messy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've taken up some hobbies. I, I can't go work out because gyms are not doing good and we don't have the space for doing any indoor stuff. Um, uh, so I'm just trucking along, teaching myself how to play bass, building models, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, right now, for you, it's uh, it's what ten o'clock, and for me, it's it's midnight, and I, yeah, I worked all day. <laughs> but no, you're fine. Is, it's like one of one of the, the great pleasures of life is is connecting with you, and uh, I do I, I do hope we do this again. But uh, tonight, it's just like um, I want to give you my full attention, but I, I as time's going on. Um, I can't do that, so. <laughs> no, you're fine. Getting more stoned. No, no, no just like uh, yeah. tired. No, I understand. Um, my friend, it's like really, it's it's such a pleasure, man, for you to do this. And <laughs> oh, no super, problem. Super appreciate this. And, if uh, you ever need me back, let me know. 
I'm always going to need you back. We'll probably do a weekly thing, I hope. Where we can sh- shit on Barcelona's management. Oh, please. Bar- Barter me out. Barter me out ASAP. Regardless. <laughs> regardless of Messi leave or not, that guy needs to leave. He like, shit. He, uh, he had five, like, he has to know that he's not doing anything. Like, the, the team has been going more downhill than possible. Like, we thought we hit a new low with the Liverpool. No. It's like, no. Let's go deeper. Let's let's see how low we can go. Um, but yeah, no, we. I will definitely catch up with you other times, uh, as long as bad Barcelona management goes on. Uh, hey, maybe next time we can talk about the Rittenhouse kid. Okay, cool. Yeah. All righty. Well, you have a great night. You too, my friend. I appreciate this. No problem. Have All right. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to our website, thefullpodcast.com, and follow us. We'd appreciate your support. More episodes are soon on their way.